Hey guys, welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. Um, just hitting you with two quick episodes in rapid succession. But I wanted to give different flavors and different textures to the episodes because I think they capture different things and different thoughts I've had and probably different moves to be fair. So I think this one is kind of a, a snap back to normal and just covering some of the stuff that's been happening in boxing and continuing some of the lockdown themes that we've been discussing on here. You know, almost like the good, the bad and the ugly of boxing. So oh, short, sharp, just get stuff in and out. And hopefully this will help you on your commute into work if you're back working or this will help you kill some of the homework in time. Or if you just want to go out for a walk, although the weather's not fantastic, this should hopefully you know, ease that journey along. So one of the things I wanted to touch on, and I know people don't want to hear the political stuff, so I want to try and stay off it, but you've got to give Anthony Joshua credit because in this whole George Floyd thing, he's come on strong. Like When you look at the, the initial part of the, the lockdown, I, I like to compare the three heavyweights because I mean this is as close as we've got to the four kings, right? So we always want that narrative of who's doing what. Fury just bolted off doing the home workouts, doing the uplifting stuff, blitzed it. Like he was so far ahead of everybody else and respect to him for doing all of that. But I think the public got bored of home workouts pretty quickly. I think if you go back two months, remember, as soon as you went on Instagram, it was just all so-and-so's live, so-and-so's live, so-and-so's live, so-and-so's live, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, five o'clock, so-and-so's live, so-and-so's live. All these home workouts were happening and I think we just grew tired of them because we didn't see results. Let's be brutally honest. It didn't help that we were going straight from doing the workout into a fry-up. I mean, like working out at home doesn't help because you're merely just offsetting the additional calories you're eating from being stuck at home. One of the ones I did enjoy was one John Pilata did because that actually looked like it was beneficial. Although um, like the, the Wi-Fi quality he had was shocking. I have no idea whose house John was using. He might have just booted the door in and said, listen, I need to use your house now. I have no idea. But John Pilate and Holly Hammers, who, pff, wow. Um, you could just watch her do stuff full stop. So shout out to Holly Hammers. So that was a good one. I enjoyed that. But I think like the other two heavyweights, Joshua's really come on strong. And, and it's like I said before, for years we were saying we want to see the real Joshua. We want to see Femi. Now we're seeing it, embrace it. This is how it's going to be going forward, God willing. Now, I don't want to go back to the banal chit-chat. And I get, you know, I get where that comes from now. Because I don't think Anthony Joshua is a comfortable public speaker. You know, there's some people who, who just can't be bothered with it. And they'd rather just, just literally just shoot the shit. Say what's, say what's, in, their, what's in their thoughts and just share that. As opposed to communicating in a structured and logical way. Which works for some people and not for others. But he's come on good. And, and I like the fact that if you want the raw Joshua, you go on Snapchat. If you want the slightly friendlier Joshua, you go on Instagram and you, I mean, you get that. So he's giving you know, all of his types of fans what they want. And you know, obviously Snapchat, he can be a bit more controversial because it deletes after 24 hours and it's hard to, to grab the stuff. And I think you know, that's why it was easier to catch him out on, on Instagram playing around with monkeys and shit. But the other guy who's also done pretty well out is Wilder. Wilder pretty, di pretty much disappeared after the defeat. And, and one of the things that I don't understand is, even though Wilder lost to Fury, I don't understand why Fury fans have this real dislike for Wilder. It's, it's childish and it's stupid. And 
it points to some kind of mental illness. Tyson Fury is great now because we say he beat Wilder. So how good is Wilder really? You can't say Wilder's a bum now. Because if you say Wilder's a bum, then Fury's never really beaten anyone. We're still talking about an old Vladimir. Now we're talking about a bum Deontay Wilder. So you've got to make your mind up. Either Deontay Wilder's really fucking good, which makes Tyson Fury brilliant, or Deontay Wilder is a shithead who wasn't shit to begin with, and therefore Tyson Fury is still an unproven heavyweight. The choice is yours. You can't have it both ways. So Team Fury, Fury Power, the, just that, that, that crazy group of fans. Make your mind up. Is Deontay Wilder good, which makes Tyson Fury good, or is Deontay Wilder shit, which makes Tyson Fury vastly overrated? The choice is yours. You can't have both. But I always like Wilder because Wilder exercises thought in what he does. And as chaotic as he is in the ring and in build-up to fights, it almost seems like when you can get him on, a, on an even kill, Deontay Wilder is a fantastic communicator. To this day! As if 400 years of slavery wasn't enough. From the womb, as a black man, we was born to be tough. Lynched, whipped, burned was the thing of the past. But to this day, jailed, raped, gunned. How long will it last? As if Malcolm X and MLK wasn't a must. As Eric Garner, Breonna Taylor, Trayvon Martin, all died from, well, just being us. Dark like molasses, black like the night. United we stand, together we fight. Fighting for Ahmaud Arbery and all of the others. Tell me why y'all killing all our sisters and brothers to this day? I, I enjoyed the video. I, I like the fact that it was different. It, it was structured. It was well put together. It was everything it needed to be. And it was one of those things where if you then criticize Wilder based on that, I think you're a scumbag. All those people that were putting up the, the Fury Dosser meme, just dickheads, aren't they? They are just legitimate dickheads. Imagine, imagine you're texting your girlfriend or someone you find attractive. And they say, well, how was your day? I just trolled Deontay Wilder. Oh, the, the heavyweight boxer who used to be champion. Yeah. Why did you do that? Because I'm in love with another man called Tyson Fury. Okay. Why do you love Tyson Fury? Uh, because he's big and he's strong and he can fight and he can punch. Uh, okay. But you do realize, right? You're an adult now. Yeah, but... So... <laughs> And suddenly, you're getting no blue ticks on your messages. Then you don't even see the profile picture. You just get the standard pic where you know you've been blocked. That's what's happening to you guys right now because you've got to explain to people, my job is just to troll. Imagine that. You're sat next to your girlfriend. You're watching White Lines and, you know, Angela Griffin's killing it in there. You're watching White Lines with your girlfriend. Meanwhile, you're on your phone trolling. I don't understand that. All this, boxers shouldn't get political, boxers shouldn't do this, boxers shouldn't do that. Do you know what you'll get if you keep pushing this line? Wait for it. This is what you're about to get if you say boxers need to stay in their lane. What is your favourite breakfast? Um, I don't know, I don't really want to sound like a health freak. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you, moment, you've got to be eating healthy stuff, haven't you? Yeah, obviously everyone loves a fight, but right now... Um, I like sourdough bread with scrambled oh, eggs. Yeah, yeah. With scrambled eggs. 
I thought the bread I liked best, best with the bread, uh, with the scrambled eggs. That's where it's headed. That's what you're going to get. If you want boxers to stay in, in their lane, that's what you're going to get. So you got to make a choice now. Is that what you want to hear? If so, cool. Boxers will give you that. But then don't complain that they don't give you anything. When you, as soon as they do, you shoot them down. But all those people who want to hate on Wilder by referencing Tyson Fury, you're sad. It's just sad. It's, it's the sort of thing you do when you lived your best years by the end of 17. And even then, you hadn't even had a girlfriend. That's what you do, man. Like, just stop. Yeah, just stop. It's boring now. Just to veer off, one thing I do want to touch on, and no one's really spoken about this, but it's interesting. Now, if you remember AJ Boxing, AJ Management, whatever that thing was that took fighters, took Lawrence O'Coley, it took Joshua Boatsy. I'm sure they had somebody else, but it's not even relevant at this point. So, Anthony Joshua, who has the most pull with Matchroom and Sky of any human being on earth, because Joshua is 50% of Matchroom's revenue, probably. Well, the boxing side, at least. Why would Anthony Joshua say? Now, he was asked a question about, would you like to see Joshua Barsi versus Anthony Yard? And yeah, obviously, every fan wants to see that fight. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, and Joshua's effusive about the fight. But he said something interesting that I don't understand. He said, Joshua Barsi needs to step his game up. And I'm a bit confused because I'm like, well, he's a fighter you manage. What do you mean he needs to step his game up? You weren't saying this when fans were saying Joshua Barsi should be fighting better opponents. You weren't saying this. When did this realisation happen? It kind of happened during the lockdown because no one's fought anything. There's been no fights. So now all of a sudden it dawns on Anthony Joshua that maybe after four years Joshua Barsi should have a lot more in his locker than he currently has. Shakur Stevens is a world champion for God's sake. And comfortably so. It's not like he got lucky. He didn't get a Charles Martin type belt. He didn't get that. It wasn't posted to him. All of these guys, all these 2016 Olympians now who are making great strides. But that 2016 intake seems to be cursed, doesn't it? Because, well, four years down the line, Shakur Stevenson's blitzed everyone. The guy he lost to in the Olympics, um, Ramirez, had a shocking start to his career. So, you know... He's had a shocker. If you now start going, Tony Yoka, God knows what's happened to him. Joe Joyce stuttered after, a, you know I mean? He had a spark when he started and someone said, ah, now you're like, nah, what's going on there? All those guys, even Ditchko. The 2016 class hasn't really accelerated like it should have. Of all those guys, the only person you'd like to see in a world title fight and you feel they wouldn't be out of their depth was probably Lawrence Okoli. Now, You'd have thought Joshua Bartzi was the most likely to do that. And so why not accelerate him like you would accelerate someone like a Shakur Stevenson? Remember this, Joshua Bartzi is not a kid in the sport. Remember that. You have to remember, like, especially when you go back to the schoolboy days when, when Bartzi was doing his thing and he was, he was fighting guys like Jack Massey. So this isn't a guy that's new to all of this. 
You know, he's of that era. Who else was around there? Sam Hyde. You know, the Northerners know guys like Luke Calcroft, who never really quite fulfilled that potential. George Crotty, who's still an amateur and having hopes of going to the Olympics. Keish Ashfak. So measured against those guys, he's kind of done all right. But we thought he was better than that. We thought he was a different level. You know, these guys like Lucian Reed that were around at the same time, we thought he was better than this. Josh Pritchard. These are guys we shouldn't be saying appears. And then you look and you go, you know, he was just a year ahead of guys like James Branch. But then these guys are coming up fast on his heels as well in terms of development. So I think you're looking at Joshua Boatsy and you're saying, what are we not seeing? Why are people holding him back and letting him find himself? Is it that he can't box? No. He clearly has a style that will do a lot of damage to people. So the only so it's, it, has he got the stamina to go the distance? You'd imagine so he's an elite level athlete. So you come to the other question. What's he like when it's coming back at him? If you think about this, think about what they're trying to do with Boatsy and where they're trying to position him. He's managed to avoid a lot of the landmines at 175. How do you become the number one light heavyweight in the United Kingdom and you haven't fought anybody? You haven't fought a Craig Richards. You haven't fought a Dan Aziz. You haven't fought an Andre Sterling. You haven't fought a Hosea Burton. You haven't fought Lyndon Arthur. Like, how does this happen? You haven't even fought a guy like Stephen Ward. We haven't seen you in with someone who's a 175. And I like Joshua Boatsy. I like the whole thing around him. I like, I like what they're trying to do with him. But Hearn can only spin it so much until we say, well, we want to see him in with these guys. And we said this about Yard for a long time. And then Yard went against Kovalev and we were just like, okay. We see what Tunde was doing. Boatsy needs that moment. So he's either got to fight domestically for the next three fights. And I don't see why he can't fight a, a Hosea Burton, a Craig Richards, and one other. Maybe the winner of Lyndon Arthur, Anthony Yard. And then let's work out who's who. Because right now they're not moving him like they believe he's a world champion already. And if that's the case, he can fight guys like Craig Richards. I think that's the right thing to do. But it will find it, I just found it really interesting that Joshua's saying it's now time for him to step up. Almost like he's trying to blame someone else for the situation we're in right now. But another thing I've also loved is during this lockdown, how Mayweather just offers those hints at making a comeback. So he apparently had a 40-minute sparring session with Dennis Duglin, who we all know as being the guy who was in Eubank's house when they did the MTV Cribs and then went on to... Uh, basically criticize him. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I don't know what happened between the two. But that's kind of what he's famous for in the UK and also getting beaten by George Groves. So he tells us this fantastic story about how he spars Mayweather. Mayweather was bullying him around. And remember, this is a guy that's fought at 168 before. Who, interesting enough, is also he's trained by his mum, which, you know, gee, God, that's interesting. Uh, I'd love to get her on the podcast. And I, how do you go from mum to coach? I imagine it's probably the same role and you just get a set of pads. But you know, kudos to her, man, because he's not terrible. And if she's trained him from scratch, then wow, she's done well. But 
just another example of of or just this hubris of the worst kind, isn't it? When you come to, when it comes to Mayweather, and I love Floyd. I think Floyd is the reason why boxers can dream of the numbers they can dream of now. But at some point, it has to stop, and at some point, Floyd has to just say it's someone else's turn now. And I think Floyd's struggling with how do you go from being great at something to being kind of okay at loads of other things? And maybe that's what the sparring and what the hints are all about is he just wants to remind people that he's a great at this thing called boxing. Now, it brings another question around of how good would Mayweather be currently? And if we work on the assumption that Floyd can still do the 12 rounds, would you put him in with a Crawford? I think you would. Would you expect him to win against Crawford? Mm, uh, maybe not. I don't think the legs are quite what they were. So, you know, does Floyd really want to be in the pocket with someone like Crawford? And, you know, Crawford's got those feet. Like, his feet are incredible. So I think the answer to that is no. Would you put him in with Spence? Yes. Would you fancy his chances against Spence? <sighs> too big, too active, too heavy-handed. It would be, be tough to, to watch Floyd go through that. And I know what people then say is, well, why do you think it would be easier with Crawford? Stars make fights. I think Crawford's all wrong for Spence, actually. I think, I think Spence could beat Crawford, but I think Crawford could beat Spence. You'd put Floyd in with a Thurman. I think he beats Thurman. I think he beats Garcia. I don't think he beats Porter. So Floyd could come back and be a top five, top six welterweight. Just, you know, if he, if, if, he, if he came in that kind of, you know, that Mayweather form plus 20%, yeah, he'd be a top five, top six welterweight. <laughs> Which is either like how, how great was Floyd to, to still be able to do that, even when he's declining, or how bad is this division? I don't know where the line is, but... I think we'd all like to see Floyd just reposition himself and, you know, kill the hinting, kill the innuendo. We don't want to see Floyd come back in the ring. Like, he, he did it right the first time round. Just enjoy your money. Something to touch on. So I've seen the WBC have given Franchon Cruz her belt back after Alejandra Jimenez tested positive for Winstrol, right? By the way, you can't get Winstrol, or they call it Stenozenol, from eating contaminated beef. Like, if you've got that in you, you took it. And I get tired of this, this thing of my supplements were contaminated. It comes back to the episode I did with Larry. Ask yourself this question. How many factories in this country make supplements and steroids? Think about this for a second. If you're buying pharma-grade steroids, they're made in an aseptic manufacturing environment. It's hypothecated. It is specifically for that purpose. You wouldn't be making whey protein powder next to it. The, the odds of that are incredibly low. But if you look at how many times fighters say their supplements are contaminated, it's very rarely true because the facilities exist for two different purposes. If there's one factory that's making whey protein powder and making your Winstrol, because remember, Winstrol, I'm, I'm assuming she took the oral Winstrol, not the injectable, but you never know. But if you're taking oral Winstrol, that's a fucking tablet. 
If you take an injectables Winstrol, then it's a liquid, but you're not, you can't make the two in the same factory. So I never understand how these things get allegedly contaminated because if you've ever seen a bottle of testosterone or trembolone, it's sealed. It's sealed so it doesn't get contaminated. That, you never, who's ever said, do you know what, I need a refund on my steroids because they're contaminated with this whey protein powder. No one. Because the people who take steroids know it's pretty fucking hard to get whey protein powder in your steroids. It would fuck up the fucking, the, the formula. So I get bored of hearing that. But the point is, they're going to ban Jimenez for nine months. Nine months. While Liam Cameron sat there on a four-year ban. I wonder what would happen if Liam Cameron just relocated to Mexico. I, he'd be allowed to box. I think he'd be allowed to box in Mexico. He may as well do that. If I was Liam, I'd just sack it off and go, let's go somewhere where we can just box again. Because he's got the talent. Well, he's looking heavy though. 16 stone, 9. Ooh. Jesus. But no, look, look. You know, hopefully they let him box soon because it's really unfair. But if I'm Liam, I'm getting out of the country. But I'm happy for Franchon Cruz because she seems to be doing it the right way. Now, I'm not saying she's 100% clean. I don't know. But I believe that she was. If ever someone was going to be clean, it was going to be her. You know, with my cynical mind, I'm willing to believe she's clean. So I'm glad that justice was done. I don't know why Jimenez isn't allowed to be kicked out of the sport because it's unprecedented. Who goes from being a heavyweight champion to a super middleweight champion? Because if you did that all on diet, why did it take you so fucking long? It almost seems like someone gave you the elixir of weight loss and all of a sudden you just dropped the weight. We're not stupid. I just want to touch on just a quick one at the moment and understanding where, we, where, where we're at in terms of British boxing returning. You remember Eddie Hearn was very bullish on this fight camp thing happening. And he's gone very quiet on that. He's no longer as bullish about all these fights happening in a four-week period. I wonder why. I suspect Mr. Hearn suddenly realized, number one, no one's in shape to fight. So the fights you'd have now would be like watching sparring sessions when guys have just started the season. Not great, not what the fans want to see. So no one's in shape. I've seen, All the boxers I've seen are heavy. And that's what happens when you've had three months of no structure. Boxers need that structure. And what reinforces the structure? The pressure and the accountability of having to train every day. And what really ramps it up is knowing you've got to fight in a few weeks. So they're not in shape. I don't think you're going to get the planning permission. I just don't think you're going to get the authorization to do it anytime soon. And definitely not before the government say you can have sports gatherings. I think the other limb to this is they've realized there's no money in it. So Hearn was talking about making a loss. And I think once he discovered Joshua was injured, realized this is all about revenue maximization. Now, we cannot afford anything that doesn't make us money. I'd sooner not spend a penny. And they don't talk about this. And, you know, DeZone were like, you're not going to give us dog shit cards and make us pay for them. So Hearn's now walking back from that fight camp thing or delaying it, one of the two. 
But you're not going to see the big fights. You're just not. The guys aren't in shape. And I think we need to get to a point where gyms are allowed to open freely. And I think we're getting there. I don't want to be um, too deep in on this COVID thing because, like I said, this is about boxing. But if after the, the three or four weeks we've had in Britain in terms of being at the beach, protesting and stuff, if we get to the third week in June and that death rate and the infection rate is going down, they have to open the gyms up again. Because it will show that the disease is declining independently of our own measures. So I think we need to start looking at that. And once you get to that point, I think you'll see you guys putting fight dates in the cards. I still think you'll see boxing in a way we recognize it in terms of talents and performances from about September. That's when I expect the good fights to start happening, September, October time. And the battle will be who can get the first pay-per-view on. You know, especially from the UK. You see in America, Bob Arum's gone already, but they had a different lockdown structure there, so I can understand how they can do it. But in terms of boxing in this country, no one's ready. People are in shape. People look good. They're not ready. They're not on weight. They're not, they're not in there. And until they've got what they're familiar with, what brings out the best in them, their gyms, the coaches, whatever, it's a hard slog. So bear with the guys. They're trying their best. But this has been a disaster for boxing. And I think we also need to start thinking about what, what this does for amateur boxing. I can't see how you're going to do shows in a post-COVID world. In terms of the hygiene, so having to test fighters. And remember, a lot of officials are in their 50s or 60s. So they're quite high risk. They can't be at shows at the moment, just by current guidelines. You can't have judges. You can't have referees. This is another thing that Hearn's probably considered. You can't, there aren't many young judges you could get. There aren't many young referees you can get. The things you need, like right now, is difficult because of obviously that, the age profile of people in boxing. And it's something that people have slept on for a long time. The, the old duffers have been running this thing for too long. Now that they're not allowed out of their houses, there's no one to run boxing. So... So from an amateur perspective, it's going to be a rocky 12 months for sure because remember, rents still need to be paid. And I don't think there'll be any government help to pay those rents because the government doesn't really care about boxing. So just have a thought for that because when there's no amateur boxing, really there's no pro boxing and there's definitely no quality pro boxing. I want to talk about a boxer that never really gets spoken about in the more mainstream boxing media and I never understand why. He's one of my favorite boxers for a number of reasons. Number one, he just loves knocking people out. Number two, he's pretty damn good at it. And it's Miguel Burchelt. And people know Burchelt because for some reason, Frank Warren sent Georgie Jupp to Mexico to fight this guy. And Georgie never came back the same man after that. He was, ah, that was the end of his career, wasn't it, really? He took an absolute hiding. If only he had remembered or had a perspective of how good Burchelt is, he didn't realize he didn't do that badly. It always reminds me, and I've said this before, of when my friend Javan Young went to the Amateur World Championships in 2011. And he lost to Gvodchik, which, be absolutely clear, like from a Ukrainian perspective, he was pretty damn good. There was no shame in that. But it affected Javan to the point where he never really, I mean, he never made the most of his talent in the pro ranks because 
that defeat gnawed away at him. And had he had that perspective to know that Gvocic would go on to be pretty damn good, I have a feeling he'd have a different perspective on it and he'd have probably had a more fruitful professional career. But the reason I'm excited with Burchelt is, number one, this guy, can you imagine? He's going to fight Oscar Valdez, and we already rate Oscar Valdez, well, amateur pedigree, yada, yada, yada. We all understand what Oscar Valdez is about. But if he beats Valdez, they're talking about Burchelt versus Lomachenko. That could happen at 130, 135. I think Loma would love it at 130 because he has advantages there. But that's a fight. That's a huge, 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 huge fight. Because while people don't talk about Burchelt, it looks like he can, like, if he catches you, you're in trouble. And Loma's not getting any younger, so this might be a good time to catch him. If Linares can catch him, imagine what happens when Burchelt catches him. So that's an interesting fight that no one's talking about. But if we get that in 2021, I think we'd all be happy as fans. So another fight I'm really looking forward to seeing as well will be Chris Conger versus Luther Clay. Now, there's any number of reasons I've enjoyed this. So first and foremost are the rumours that Luther Clay is too far off weight for it to happen inside of seven weeks. And hopefully that's a chastening reminder that when you're a professional, man, you've got to stay on your weight. But I like Luther, man. Like, I'm, a, I'm a Luther Clay fan. I think guys like Adam Martin have made me a fan. His performances, when televised, have made me a fan. But you also know I like Chris Congo. But from what I gather, the fight is happening. You know, I spoke to Luther earlier in the week. We just exchanged a few messages. And I think my take on the situation is that the fight's happening. And I don't, he hasn't confirmed it, but he said that the process is happening. I could lag on for it. This ne team ya ya Congo ne team ya me eh sitibane agree on yonke into then the fight is a wednesday for sure is a wednesday anyway we're just waiting for hen by announce yonke into so i mean most people understand what he said there um i can't really translate cuz i might be snitching i might be saying things that are a turn but I think there'll be good news. It's just a question of the logistics, I think. The logistics, the paperwork, how it's going to work. Because as I said earlier, man, this fight camp thing, maybe he's hitting a few bumps in the road. But I think we should look forward to that fight and that kind of 147 because you've got Josh Kelly and Connor Ben kind of floating around for the winner. So I think it's there could be heady days in terms of you know what we'll get in the last quarter of the year especially as these guys lose weight and the sharpness comes back and and the real quality starts to rise again because one of the things and i'm saying this to let me not reveal the name actually you want to avoid being the first guy out the box because if you look at what's happening in the ufc now the upset rate's gone up because everyone's kind of had that downtime, and actually now it's not necessarily about talent it's about who got their wheels spinning quicker. And so when you have these fights, if Eddie Hearn's talking about 50-50 fights first out the first out the box, I don't want that because I'm looking at, though, the upset might happen. That's why people ask for not necessarily a tune-up, but maybe a fight that's 70-30, 60-40, just to gauge where they're at, and then they can accelerate or decelerate accordingly. But I think that's what you can expect to happen because, whew, 
You don't want those upsets now, especially with boxing. Boxing's cruel like that. You go to the back of the queue. Something else we need to look at. You shouldn't have to go to the back of the queue. I mean, let the fans determine who they want to see fight. But look, I think that's enough, man. I'm, I'm going to hit you with a couple of episodes in rapid succession. I think there'll be another one following this reasonably quickly. Um, I want to try something, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. But we'll see where we end up. Okay, guys, take care. Bye.